Hello and welcome to What the Buck. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse and a certified labor doula. This podcast is created to inform and empower every woman on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me here every Monday at 9 a.m. as we dive into all things prenatal, birth, postpartum, and so much more. So let's jump into today's Welcome to another episode of What the Bump. Kristen is here to share her birth story with us. So thank you for being here, Kristen. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> so starting off, tell me a little bit about yourself and your family. Um, okay, so I live in Montana. Um, my husband and I live here and we just had our first baby girl. Um, so I am in the medical field and my husband is in um, excavation. So construction, and we have been married since, um, September of 2018. So going on four years this year. Um, and yeah, we live a pretty simple, exciting Montana life. Um, we're both very active. We like to, um, go to the gym, lift. We are super outdoorsy. We camp, we hike, we do all the fun summer things that Montana has to offer. Um, so we, really just enjoy life. That's amazing. Yeah. We, that's on like our bucket list to go to Montana. Um, is it like really, what's the weather, weather like right now there? Um, spring is super hit or miss. It has done a little bit of everything. It snowed this week. We had like a monsoon rainstorm yesterday and today it's like 65 and sunny and really nice out. So (laughs) wow, it's a little unpredictable this time of year, but summer is amazing. Okay. That's, that's, that is very unpredictable for sure. A <laughs> little yes. bit of everything. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. So you said you guys have been married for about four years. So when did you guys get pregnant? Were you guys planning on getting pregnant? Yeah. Um, so we got pregnant. Um, we first found out that we were expecting in July of 2020. Okay. Um, and we were like over the moon, we had got pregnant pretty much right away once we started trying. Um, So we were like, wow, this is awesome. We got pregnant right away, how exciting. And then we had a miscarriage. Um, So at 11 weeks, we were told we had a miscarriage um, and kind of given the options of my body hadn't recognized we were miscarrying yet. So what do we want to do? And I opted for the medication route. Um, I'm definitely a little more conservative in terms of like, interventions. So I was like, you know, I don't want to wait and wait till my body figures out that I'm miscarrying, but I also don't want to go into a surgery. So we went the medication route. Um, and that kind of induced things over the course of the next couple of days. I felt like I had, everything was good. Everything had passed. You know, we can now start to like progress forward and see what things look like. And then a week after that, um, I woke up one morning with a really high fever. I had a fever that was like 107.4 or something crazy. Wow. And I was like, oh my gosh, obviously my thermometer's broken. There's no way <laughs> I can be running a temp this high. Um, so I called my um the doctor that I work for and I was like, here's what's going on. I don't know what to do. Obviously, I probably shouldn't come to work today. And yeah, I think I have COVID. Like, what do I do? <laughs> He's like, you probably don't have COVID, but you should probably call your doctor and see what's going on. So I was like, okay. So I called my doctor and she was like, yeah, that's not good. Come into the office today. Let's see what's going on. Um, So after a quick office trip, um, 
they, I was told that I was turning septic and that I had some retained placenta that did not pass during my miscarriage. So I went into surgery that afternoon and had a DNC, um, which was like totally unexpected, not prepared for it. Obviously just adds to like the emotional aspect of a miscarriage as is. Um, so went home that night and I was like, okay, we're officially like through this and we can start to heal and process. And then of course I wake up the next morning and I had a fever again. And my doctor was like, you shouldn't have a fever at this point. You've been on antibiotics. We've given you IV antibiotics. They come back and let's admit you and see what's going on. So I got admitted, um, again, the following day to the hospital and was told that they would probably just do like a pretty rigorous 48 hour course of IV antibiotics. And that should hopefully take care of anything, um, that was going on. And once again, I could just like be done. So I was like, great, let's do it. Here goes the next two days of laying in the hospital bed. So um, they ended up doing another ultrasound that afternoon um, and determined that they potentially thought they saw something on the ultrasound that was retained, but they couldn't tell. So they gave me two options. One, I could go and have what, I kind of thought was like an exploratory DNC. Obviously it wasn't stated that way, but I could go back and have another DNC or um, I could wait and see kind of what my body did. And if I ended up with another fever or ended up with um, infection symptoms again, come back. So I of course was like, I'm not doing another surgery. I can't go through, like, this is too much. They, I can't believe this is going on. So um, I, my sister-in-law is a labor and delivery nurse also. Um, I have like this whole field of healthcare workers in my family. So it was really great, but everybody was like, you should just do the DNC. That's the only way that you can for sure be able to move on. And either they find something or they don't find something, but you can just be done. Right. So I was kind of convinced to go that route, which hindsight, I'm very thankful I did. So they did another DNC the following morning. So I had two DNCs in a 20 or 48 hour period. Um, which was really disheartening to me, but they did find, um, placenta that was still retained in there. So yes, I'm very thankful that I had that done. And I'm very thankful that they thoroughly got everything taken care of and cleaned out and I was good to go. So that was kind of the start of our, um, journey of, you know, trying to conceive and pregnancy. And then it all resulted in this like kind of traumatic miscarriage, um, Mm -hmm. So of course, at that point, I was like, the only thing that is on my heart and the only thing that I desire now is to be pregnant and have a baby. And that's the only thing that's going to heal me. Yeah. And so it was like ovulation tracking and fertility tea and just like, so over the, so over the top, but it is hard um, though, because, you know, I totally relate to you when I had a miscarriage and then a DNC it's like you feel like and I've said this before on the podcast but you feel like something was stolen from you that like should have been yours and you want to like steal it back is that's at least that's how I felt I was like I feel like I should be pregnant I should have been pregnant I should be having a baby and that was robbed from me wrongfully so so I want that back that's kind of like how I felt about it at least 
Yes, that is absolutely how I felt. And of course, I'm like in the age range where all of my friends are, you know, getting pregnant and having babies and like everybody was going through this healthy, positive experience. And I was like the one in four in my friend group that had miscarriage. And, you know, that was just like earth shattering to us. Yeah. And so, not to mention, you know, you had, you did the side attack. So you had to experience all that cramping and the bleeding and, you know, the miscarriage at home and then to turn around and also have to take the DNC route. Um, and then it's like, you guys already did the DNC and you couldn't get it everything. So now we have to go back and do it again. Um, it, 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 it it's, it's just, it's very disheartening. It's very, it's so traumatic. And, um, I don't know, I would not wish it upon my worst enemy, of course, like losing a pregnancy is just my heart goes out to you because I've been there and it is a very, very, very dark time. It is. And you just feel so isolated. Like Mm -hmm. at that point, no one that I had known, um, no one had come forth and said, you know, I've, I've had this experience or I've done this. And now talking with people, you know, you unfortunately find out that it is much more common than we're led on to believe. Right. But you feel like you are just, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's really tough. So, um, we really, really fortunately, um, I just, I remember just pleading with God, like, God, please, if you just give me another pregnancy and another chance, like I will never complain about morning sickness. I'll never complain about any pregnancy symptom. I'll never, like, it will be okay. I can handle all of it. Just like, please let me be pregnant. Yeah. So we did actually get pregnant fairly quick again. Um, my doctor definitely recommended just having like a minimum of one regular cycle um, after the miscarriage. So I did that. And then we actually conceived the following cycle. So within like three months, I was pregnant again, which, you know, I was like, this is all I've ever wanted. Like, this is all I want. But that, as you know, like that comes with a lot of fear. Mm -hmm. And so I, um, was like, so fearful the whole time. And I was like, I want to be happy. But the second that I feel like I get happy, I, I know I shouldn't celebrate. You guard your heart. wrong. Absolutely. So, um, we progressed forward through that pregnancy. Um, and I, of course, like called my doctor the second I found out I was pregnant and I found out really early because obviously I was testing like so insanely early. I think I was like three and a half, maybe four weeks when I found out. Yeah. So it was pretty early on. And I was like, okay, I need to come in and do HCG for like the next, like at least 48 to 96 hours, just so I know that this is like going the right direction. Mm-hmm. So we did that. Um, and then had an ultrasound an early ultrasound around seven weeks and everything looked good at that point. And then they had us come back around 10 weeks and repeat an ultrasound and things still look good. I have um, really quick. I have a question going back to your first miscarriage. You said you found out at 11 weeks, was that your first ultrasound or had you had one prior? We had had one ultrasound at, um, eight, almost nine weeks. And she, at the time was like, you know, baby might just be measuring a little off. Um, and your dates might be a lot, a little off and you might be behind what you thought you were. So that's a possibility. There also is a possibility that you're potentially having a miscarriage, but like, let's wait a few weeks and see what happens. Gotcha. So we were kind of prepared, but at the same point I was like, no, I'm like, I was like really sick. I had like awful um, nausea. Like I was like, no, I have all the symptoms. Like, I think we're good. I think our dates are just off. So Mm -hmm. I, I knew that that was an option, but at the same point, I couldn't let myself believe that until I knew for sure that that was a situation. So gotcha. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, we ended up having a successful, healthy pregnancy and I'm so thankful for it. Um, looking back on pregnancy, I overall, I mean, of course, like every pregnancy has comes with some sort of symptoms and things that you go through, but overall I'm like, wow, I absolutely had a pretty great pregnancy. I wasn't very sick. I was able to like remain super active and continue all the activities that I love with, you know, modifications throughout my whole pregnancy. So pregnancy wise to sum up nine months, like I would say it was like the ideal, perfect, dreamy pregnancy, or at least that's what I'm leading myself to believe. I was about to say, you know, you predestined this mindset of no complaining, you know, but it's true. Like, I I don't want to say you like, like, I don't want to say somebody who hasn't had a miscarriage doesn't appreciate pregnancy because that's not true by any means. But when you go through something so traumatic and lose something that you wanted so badly, it kind of makes you want it even more. So I would be like, heck yeah, I feel like crap today. Like, oh, I'm so tired. Oh, I'm about to go throw up. I'm so happy. Like, it, I don't know. I looked at it differently the second time around. I can tell you that right now. I for sure did. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. I definitely was like, okay, I know I'm on my third bagel today and I like <laughs> ate Sour Patch Kids for breakfast, but I'm also okay. so thankful that I have a baby that's growing and healthy. Like it just doesn't matter. Yes. Yep. So yeah, overall it was just like, I, I just can't complain because this is this is what comes with pregnancy and I'm pregnant and that's all that matters. Right. That's amazing. I, I, I totally agree. It's, it's a mindset thing. Cause you know, you can sit there and be like, Oh, I feel like crap. I'm so tired, this and that. And I'm eating sour patch kits for breakfast, um, which it is fine to have those moments. Like I had those moments where I would just complain, but then I would be like, okay, you know what though? Like, this is just, this is what I asked for. This is what I've been praying for. This is what I've been asking for. This is exactly what I want. Yeah. That's exactly how I felt. (laughs) So coming kind of towards the end of your pregnancy, um, as far as like birth preparation and birth preferences, what were you um, doing to prepare? What were you envisioning for your birth? Um, So my whole pregnancy, I had this like diehard mindset that I was envisioning this like really, really perfect, awesome, unmedicated birth. And I think that kind of stems from my sister has two kids. um, Both were like, completely unmedicated labor and deliveries. My mom had had three of us and she had the same situation. So it's like, that's kind of all I knew. Like, that's, that's just what we do. Like we just have babies and you don't have to, you know, have any, um, you don't have to do an epidural. Luckily, we, none of us had C-sections. And like, I just was like totally envisioning and prepared for this unmedicated birth. Um, so like I said, I was really active throughout my whole pregnancy, which I personally think played a huge role in my labor and delivery experience. Um, I also am a pre and postnatal fitness specialist. So learning kind of like exercises that you can do to help prepare your body for labor and things that you can do throughout pregnancy that kind of help to um, create the labor and delivery experience that you ideally opt for was really helpful to me because I had, um, you know, those pregnancy modification workouts in hand, like on hand, and I was able to like I said, really resume a normal physical activity lifestyle that I would do if I wasn't pregnant. So I worked out my whole pregnancy. Um, I hiked till I was like 38 weeks pregnant, which I'm sure my doctor wouldn't ultimately recommend. Mm -hmm. Um, I was like riding my bike to the farmer's market till I was 38 weeks pregnant. 
And I just like, it was just great. Cause it's like, I felt so like normal and empowered and like, just excited to be pregnant. And like, I got to take my baby on all these fun adventures with me. So I did a lot of, um, I was just really active. In addition to that, I also saw a pelvic floor physical therapist. Um, I wasn't having any issues or concerns that led me to her office, but I, um, am a runner and I had some goals postpartum that I was hoping to accomplish. And so I was like, you know, if I can help myself out and prevent any issues, um, with incontinence or prolapse or like anything like that, just by doing simple things and like taking care of myself, I'll absolutely do it. So I went and saw her and she gave me a lot of really beneficial exercises and things to do. And she was like, if you don't need me the rest of pregnancy, great, but come see me postpartum. So she gave me, um, a lot of exercises and just like really simple things to do, um, starting in third trimester. So I started doing some of those things, some, a little bit of like prenatal yoga, which was really helpful and just like stretching and which I am very bad. I don't take the time to like stretch or really take care of <laughs> my muscles and recover like I should. So it's good to like slow down and actually take care of myself. Um, so I did that. And then starting in third trimester, I, started doing dates, um, when I was like 35, 36 weeks. And I also started red raspberry leaf tea. Um, so I was pretty religious about those two things just from some research that I had read and a couple of conversations I had had with close friends, um, that were like, you know, obviously you can't pinpoint this was what led to, you know, this outcome, but there is some good evidence behind those two things. So I started doing those, um, towards the end of my third trimester, and then I was walking a ton just because walking felt really good. And like I said, summer here is really nice. So it was good to just get out and get some fresh air. And I did some curb walking towards the end. Um, so all the like things that everybody says to do to help put you yes, into labor. All the, all the right things. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's amazing. And you, so then, you were planning, I know you said unmedicated birth um, at the hospital. Yeah. Okay. I, I thought about it and my husband and I were like, you know, what makes sense for us? And I was like, yeah. I think I have so much fear for my miscarriage experience right. about something going wrong when it wasn't planned, right. <laughs> um, that I would rather be in a hospital setting so that on the off chance we need some sort of intervention or some sort of help. Like we're just there and there right. isn't a delay in getting me there. Um, so we did plan to do a hospital birth okay. the whole time. Yeah. That's awesome. And any kind of other like preparation, um, you know, books, podcasts, um, anything else that you kind of like really leaned into? Cause I feel like on medicated birth, obviously there's so much physical to it. And I love all the things that you said, like curb walking dates, red raspberry leaf tea, staying active, biking, hiking, yoga, pelvic floor therapy, literally you did all of it. And I love that. Um, was there anything that you did like mentally? I know you also said, you know, um, kind of unmedicated birth is almost like all you've really known. Cause you said, you know, your sister and your mom, um, is there anything else kind of that you dug into? Yeah. So I, you know, looking back, I'm like, man, I think I would have done things slightly different, but I listened to probably every podcast ever available on like listening to other people's birth stories was really, really, really helpful for me. Right. Um, so I listened to a ton of podcasts. I would go and walk like three or four miles each night when I would get home from work 
And I would just like put my podcast on and that was just, it was my favorite part of my day. So I listened to a ton of podcasts. Um, I also, thanks to the world of social media, went on social media and would look up um, certain people's pages and they gave out a ton of helpful information um, on like mindset training. And I looked into some hypnobirthing things and just like kind of a little bit of everything to help try and prepare me. I read a couple books that also um, were really helpful in like the mindset aspect. Um, one of the ones that I, it's personally, I thought it was a very interesting read and some of it, I was like, I, I can't even comprehend some of this, but the um, Ina Mae Gaskins, I'm trying to think of what the book is called. Guide but, to Childbirth. Yes, 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 yes. So I read that and parts of it, I was like, okay, absolutely. Like that, that's super helpful. And parts of it, I was like, what in the world on the farm? Like, <laughs> so that was also really helpful though, to just get that mindset of like yeah. getting, getting ready for this like journey that I'm about to experience. I think her book, like really the whole theme of the entire thing is just like reaffirming the fact that like your body can do this. Your body is like meant to be able to do this. Um, but I do know what you mean. Sometimes it, it's, it's, I think it's, I don't know when it was actually written, so I might actually be wrong on this, but I feel like it's like an older book, or at least it's written up. The stories are from older times. So it's a little bit interesting in that aspect, I, I feel like. Yeah, I think it definitely was written. I think it's an older book, um, but the stories definitely are from years ago. So yes. it was it was pretty interesting. <laughs> but even just like the mindset aspect was helpful. Yeah. I also did, um, I, of course, like on my note page on my phone, wrote all of these like positive affirmations that I was going to tell myself during birth. And I made my like birth playlist that was like a little bit gangster, but a little bit yeah. worship music and like that. just all, all the things that I probably could have done. I did. So yeah. So how did you go into labor? So, um, I had a very stubborn little girl that, uh, at my 40 week appointment, my doctor was like, okay, we kind of need to start talking about like what things are going to look like if she doesn't come soon. And I was like, okay, well, that, that's not really an option. Cause I just like only want to go into spontaneous labor. So we'll just wait till that happens. She's like, okay. So then finally at 41 weeks, she was like, okay, you're at 41 weeks. Like I totally support your decision of like wanting to be unmedicated. And I support your decision of wanting to, you know, go spontaneously, but that hasn't happened. And at this point, like current research has shown, you know, your placenta starts to deteriorate and get a little old and like, let's, let's look at getting baby out. So I, um, was scheduled to do an induction at 41 and one. Um, and she was like, just call that morning, you know, at like six or 7.00 AM and we'll give you your time to come check in. So I called that morning and they were like, apparently it was like the busiest day the the labor and delivery unit at our hospital had ever had. And there was like no rooms at all potentially available for hours. So I was like, what a blessing. Right. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> so at that point I was like, okay, well, I feel a little bummed. I thought I was having a baby today, but it's fine. Like I had kind of changed my whole mindset of like, I have to get induced. I'm still going to try my hardest to go unmedicated, but I'm also going to be flexible and just go with the flow. So she was like, call back, um, this afternoon and we'll see what the update is and see when we can give you a time. So I called back and she was like, you know, we still don't have any rooms available for you. So 
call back again this afternoon and we'll see what the update is. So I called back later that afternoon. In the meantime, I was like, okay, I got to get this baby out. So my husband and I, I think we walked like six or seven miles that day, just like I was like curb walking. I was doing squats in the middle of our road. Like I was literally just doing all the things to try and get labor going. So I started having contractions that afternoon um, around like 2 PM was when they were like picking up. And I was like, okay, this is great. They told me to call back at four. So let's see where this goes. So I called back at four and she was like, yeah, we still don't have anything available. So maybe we'll just plan to see you tomorrow. So that was fine. But then I, um, in the meantime, started having like fairly decent contractions that I kind of had to work through for about an hour, um, almost two hours. So I was like, can I just come in and get checked and see where I'm at? And if I am like progressing somewhere, great. And if I'm not like, I'm happy to come home and labor at home for as long as I need to. So I went into the hospital that night around like five or six um, into triage and they checked me and I was four centimeters and like 80 or 90% of face. So she was like, okay, let's give you an hour. We'll see if anything happens in an hour. If not, we'll probably just send you home for the evening and then come back when things pick up. So I got checked an hour later and I was five centimeters um, she was like, definitely five. Like I could probably stretch you to almost six. So I was like, great. So they decided to keep me, um, which I was like, do I want this? Should I go home? Should I come back? What do I do? So I was like, you know what? I'm here. I'm just going to stay. So I stayed and then they finally had a room open up that night. So I think I checked in around six and I got moved to my room around like eight or 9 PM. Um, and then my doctor came in, she was like, I'm going to um, I'm going to break your water just to start with, because I don't want you laboring forever. And like, you're already well overdue. So let's break your water and see how that progresses you. And we'll just try and go like very slow and very minimal for you. So she left the room to go get supplies and things. And by the time she came back, like, I don't know, 10 minutes later, I was like, all right, I either just peed my pants or my water just broke. She was like, okay, well, let's look. So my water ironically broke on its own. Um, so I was like, great. Like the like induction that I was so worried about so far hasn't had to happen and things are just progressing on their own. So my water broke on its own. And then, um, she was like, once again, like, I don't want you doing this forever for safety of you and baby. So let's see how you are in an hour. If you haven't progressed much in an hour, then I'm going to start you on like a really, really low dose of tocin. So I was like, all right. So once my water broke, I felt like contractions got really real. Um, like I thought I was like kind of working through them before and breathing through them. But once my water broke, I was like, oh, wow, these are like fast and furious. Like I actually have to work through these. Yeah. So I got in the tub for an hour. Um, and as soon as I got in there, it was like everything just progressed and picked up significantly. So um, I was contracting like every 30 seconds to a minute and I was vomiting and I was shaking uncontrollably and it was just like, wow, this is really happening. So, um, I got out an hour later, they checked me. Um, and she was like, wow, you are nine centimeters, like a good nine centimeters. You're having a baby. <laughs> so everything happened quick, um, which I'm really thankful for the last centimeter 
um, until I felt like I was like actually really ready to push. Took about another hour or so. Um, so I started pushing around midnight um, that night and then pushed for two hours, which was a whole nother ball game. Um, but the whole experience was exactly what I wanted and what I asked for. Um, one of my friends, a good friend of mine was actually my labor and delivery nurse and I could not have done it without her. She 100% made the experience of my dreams come to life. And honestly, probably was the only person in the room that kept me on track and kept me focused and kept me moving in the right direction because it was like, I was exhausted. I was tired. I felt yeah. like I'd been pushing forever. Um, so I am very thankful that she was there and part of my story. So yeah, she was born at 2 a.m. So I pushed her a little over two hours and she was born at 2.17 a.m. And um, they originally had told me that I kind of had a small baby. They were like, yeah, she's probably six to seven pounds. Um, so, you know, average size, good to go. So in my mind, I was like, oh, I can push out a six or seven pound baby. Yeah. Um, and then as soon as she was born, I like one of the things that was really important to me was like immediate skin to skin contact. So they got her on my chest right away and everybody was just like, oh my gosh, she is a big baby. And I was like, what? she's like so little. I mean, she's my first baby. She's like so tiny, so perfect. Like, wow. And then she ended up being like nine pounds, 11 ounces. What? So, <laughs> so you almost had a 10 pound baby. <laughs> I almost had a 10 pound baby, which I'm like, wow. I, I mean, my daughter came out and they were like, oh my God, she's huge. And she was like eight, 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 11, I think eight, eight, nine, eight, 11. Yeah. Wow. So you had a big baby too, but yeah, yeah but you beat me by a whole pound girl. <laughs> <laughs> she was definitely a big chunky girl. Wow. So yeah, I, I guess I was definitely not expecting that. And um, now I'm like, okay, I feel like when I was pushing for two hours, I was like pretty defeated. And I thought that I was like, I was so active. Like I had been athlete my whole pregnancy. And like, I thought I was just gonna like breeze through the pushing part. And two hours in, I was like, okay, <laughs> what is going on? But then she came out almost 10 pounds and I was like, all right, I'll give myself a little, a little grace on that one. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, and I, and I love how you said like your friend was able to be your labor and delivery nurse. And that was like somebody to encourage you. Cause that's so, I mean, unmedicated birth is so much of it is just that mental. You mentioned she kept you on track and that is so important because that aspect of like staying in control, it, it is so easy to lose control because it is the most intense. I hate the word painful, but it's the most it's the most intense thing of your life. And I remember wanting to just like lose it and scream and jump out of my skin and like freak out and having somebody who you can like anchor onto and focus on and like listen to their voice and them keeping you in control of your breath and your body is so important. So I mean, that's amazing that you were kind of able to have your friend there to be that for you. Yeah, absolutely. She was like my own unhired personalized doula. I was literally I, about to say like, <laughs> that's like, it, it really was. It was like having a, a doula slash labor and delivery nurse slash friend. <laughs> it was, it was incredible. So I'm like, well, next time I'll just hire you to be there with me. <laughs> hey, there you so, go. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Um, so overall it was obviously the birth that I longed for and hoped for. And Amazing 
I mean, all things considered, I'm like, I didn't like physically write a birth plan, but I like mentally had verbalized this like plan to my husband over and over and over of like, this is what I want. This is what my desires are. Like, please advocate for me if I can't for myself. Like, this is what I want. And looking back, I'm like, I got exactly what I wanted. So I know that doesn't happen for honestly the majority of people. Um, And it's so unpredictable, but I'm so thankful that that was my experience and that I got everything that I hoped for and that I had prayed for the whole pregnancy. Yeah. That's amazing. When you were pushing, did you try like different positions? What kind of felt the best for you? Because, you know, I, I know that unmedicated birth, especially when it comes to pushing, there's so many different positions and things that you can try. And you mentioned, you know, you were kind of getting to the point where you were exhausted and I'm sure pushing for, you know, pushing for two hours is totally normal. Um, but unmedicated pushing for two hours, it definitely, it's exhausting. I mean, it's so tiring. So did you try different positions or what kind of felt the best to you? Yeah. So once again, in my like altered state of mind I would think I was just like exhausted and tired and I like couldn't even think through all of the things that I had learned like positionally during pregnancy so once again my friend was like okay we need to try this or like this isn't working how about we try this and so she was super helpful um, about getting me into new positions and trying things Um, the thing that worked best for me was they put the squat bar over across the bed um, and I just like draped myself over that. (laughs) And I would go from like squatting to standing up and they're like, Oh my gosh, this girl is going to fall off this bed pretty soon. (laughs) But it was, so I ended up pushing, um, her out and delivering her in a squatting position, um, which felt most comfortable for me. And I pretty much was like in some form of like side lane, like squatting, standing all fours position, like the whole entire time rotating between them. I did end up having a lot of back labor. Um, and so I was just like pretty uncomfortable and I felt like I was just like trying to escape out of my own body (laughs) to get away from that discomfort and that pain. But, um, the squat bar was super helpful for me and just like having something to just grasp onto and like put my energy into as I was pushing was really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's amazing. You know, your body just, I know you said like, I couldn't think of all the positions I learned, but your body really does tell you what to do and kind of like how to get into different positions. Cause you know, you can try all these things that you learned, but if you just listen to your body, normally it'll get you into the position that you need to be in. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I mean, at one point I was like on the ball draped over a ball. Like, I think we tried just about everything. And I was like, no, this this is where I need to be. Yeah. That's awesome. Back to my squat bar. (laughs) And so how old is your daughter now? So she is eight and a half months. She'll be nine months here in a few weeks. Um, So she was, yeah, she's trucking right along. And I'm like, (laughs) wow, I I can't believe that I'm almost nine months postpartum. Like, How has postpartum been? It's been really good. Um, I feel really fortunate that I have a solid um, friend and family group that has been so hands-on and helpful um, with me as well as with my daughter. So the transition into being a new mom has been really great with the extra help. Um, postpartum anxiety hit me really hard and I was just like anxious about everything. I mean, I think every mom, regardless of if you're an anxious person or not is like, is my baby breathing? Is my baby like you just go through all, all of these different things. And I'm typically not a very anxious person. So 
that was something new for me to kind of navigate through in those first few months. Um, but honestly, all things considered, postpartum has been pretty good for me. Um, and I just like still every day live in this like baby bliss of like, oh my gosh, like we created this perfect little baby that like we get to have forever. Amazing. So yeah, it's been, it's been pretty good. Um, I, after I was about four or five months postpartum and I was like, I'm just like obsessed with babies. I'm obsessed with labor. I'm obsessed with delivery. I'm obsessed with pregnancy. Like I'm obsessed with all of it. So I actually am currently enrolled, um, in doula courses right now and will be kind of transitioning, I think, um, into the doula world here shortly. Amazing. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. It is very fun. Obviously the most rewarding line of work you could possibly be in. Um, so highly recommend it. (laughs) Where are you doing your doula training through? Um, it's through the international doula, uh, is it Institute? I think so. Yeah. There's yes. so, there's then, so many organizations. Yes. I know. I was like, I don't even know how you pick one. And then <laughs> I'm also, um, doing a like weekend course through Dona here in a couple weekends too. So awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That's very exciting. I have to ask how much does your daughter weigh now? <laughs> um, I honestly don't know. Everyone asks me that because she's a big girl, but she, at her six month appointment, she was 20 pounds. Okay. So Um, we're me. So this makes me feel good. Yes. So she has her nine month appointment here in a few weeks. And I think she's probably somewhere in the like 22 to 24 range. Okay. Yeah. Where are you guys at? Uh, so six months we were at 20 and we, she's, um, seven and a half months right now. So we haven't really had a weigh in since that six month appointment when she was 20 pounds. Um, and obviously like that puts her at like, I think the 98th or 99th percentile. Um, but it makes me feel good to hear like another chunky, chunky baby girl out there. Cause everyone's like, Oh my God, she, I've never seen a baby with so many roles. And, um, I don't want to say I'm insecure about it. Cause I'm not, it's really cute. And I love her and I know I don't, you know, overfeed her, but sometimes I'm like, oh my God, does my child have like, (laughs) I joke, but I'm like, does she have like a metabolic disorder or something? I totally, totally know what you mean. And I'm like, honestly, I'm like actually really thankful that she's chunky. Like I love her chub and I love her roles. And like, I just feel like she's like so much more solid than like some of the babies are just like so little and petite. And I'm like, wow, like my girl is solid. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, she, yeah, definitely. So is she crawling yet? She's so close. She's mastered the backwards crawl. Okay. Um, yep. Same. At it, but forwards is like, I can't do that. Mom Listen, too top heavy. <laughs> I was about to say, I, you know, cause people are like, oh, they crawl around six months. I'm like, yeah, not when your child is in the 99th percentile. They don't, that is a lot of weight to move. Okay. Give her some extra time. <laughs> Yeah, she, we're in the same exact boat. She needs a little extra time. Yeah, (laughs) she's struggling to get her core off the ground and even like get on all fours. And I'm like, listen, girl, you have a lot to, you got a lot going on. So it's okay. Yeah, we'll we'll cut you some slack. Yeah. Also, I think life just gets like so much busier once you're like really mobile. So you take your time. I know I'm not even ready for that. Yeah. She can do like the back. It's not even a backwards crawl. It's more so like she just kind of pushes with her hands and ends up scooting halfway across the house backwards. And that's enough for me right now. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're good. (laughs) Yeah. That's enough movement. (laughs) That's amazing. I love to hear another chunky little girl out there. (laughs) Awesome. Well, 
thank you for sharing your birth story. Do you have kind of what would be like your top piece of advice for um, a new mom or really any mom out there? Um, honestly, I think my top piece of advice and the thing that I have learned is like, slow down and take time for yourself. In the beginning, my, my husband didn't take very much time off work. Actually, I should say that he took like zero time off work. So he had like two days off when we were in the hospital. Um, and then like we went in for what was like our tentative induction on a Thursday. I had her, you know, Friday at two in the morning and then he went back to work on Monday. Um, so he took zero time off because he owns his own business. Summer is like a really busy time for him. So I was just like full on mom mode all the time, like sleep deprived, breastfeeding, exhausted. Like I was lucky if I showered, like I was just kind of a mess. And as I got into it and like, as the anxiety started to like really creep up on me, I was like, okay, if I pick like my few things that are like non-negotiables every day, such as like showering and like maybe even like tossing some makeup on like a couple times a week, just to feel good about myself. Um, that was really helpful. So kind of just slowing down and being able to like realize that you still have to take care of yourself to be able to take care of your baby was really helpful for me. Um, getting out and getting on a walk was really helpful. So like doing the little things that you can absolutely do with your baby by your side that just make you feel like a better human and a more functioning <laughs> person of society would be my recommendation of like, don't like, yes, you're a full-time caretaker, you're a mom, like your life has changed significantly and your role has changed, but don't forget to like do little things to take care of yourself and fill your cup up as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. And I totally agree. It's so easy to get caught in this, like almost like a postpartum rut where you're like, well, I don't want to leave the house. I don't have time to leave the house. I don't have time to kind of do anything. And you can get so stuck in that, but if you just kind of force yourself to get out and to do a couple of things, it's amazing how you know, life-giving. And even if you have to go, you know, give the baby to family for a few hours, it's amazing how like life-giving that little bit of time to, like you said, fill back up your own cup. Cause you can't pour when you're empty. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Asking for help. Like it's amazing how many people like genuinely want to help you yeah. and all they're looking for is an invite to like be there to help you. Right. So ask people to help you. Cause I, I'm pretty sure most people genuinely like want to be there and support you and help you, but they also don't want to intrude and just like take over. So right. asking, asking for help was really good for me. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your birth story. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of What The Bump. Make sure to follow us over on Instagram at WhatTheBumpCLT. Check out our website, WhatTheBumpCLT.com. Make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you are listening on. And tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. for a new episode. Remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only. I will see you next week in the next episode.